It's Thanksgiving, folks. A nearly 400-year-old tradition in this country, it was first actually proclaimed by President uh, George Washington in the year 1789, though it had been going on before that, obviously, to some degree, and then it was declared an actual national holiday in 1863 by President Abraham Lincoln. So I just want to say this, whether your plans for Thursday are large and expansive and you're going to be with a large number of people or whether it's going to be small and intimate, doesn't matter. Either way, Becky and I wish you a blessed holiday and a blessed Thanksgiving time with your family and friends. And if you're traveling, as many of our folks already have left uh, for this vacation time, if you're traveling for the holiday, please be safe. And we pray God's traveling mercies be upon you in Jesus' name. Well, the calendar dictates to some degree, uh, quite often, what we are going to talk about from the pulpit. And I know I would be remiss this morning if we didn't discuss the importance of gratitude in our lives, particularly as we go into this week. And we all know that Scripture has much to say about it. As I was praying through it this week and, and determining how I would share with you and what I would share with you, I was very aware of the, um, that there is a bit of tension in the juxtaposition between uh, being aware that we need to be grateful. I think we all know that. We're taught that from a toddler, that we need to be grateful. And yet at the same time, I know that we have many people who are in what would, could be considered very serious or very dire circumstances. And it brings attention. I need to be grateful, but this is what's going on in my life. And it's hard to be grateful when this is, when this is going on. Some of you have been in difficult situations for many weeks or months or the year has been difficult. And I know that those people can easily look at me and say, Pastor Dan, how can I be grateful when I've just lost a loved one? Maybe even this week. How can I be grateful with the bad news I just received in the last few days? How can I have any expression of thanksgiving with my body in pain? How can I be grateful when someone that I truly love close to me has just been diagnosed with a serious physical challenge? And I know that those people might say to us, that this week, Pastor Dan, what I need is not a day of thanksgiving. What I need is a day of miracles. How many of you ready for a day of miracles? <clears throat> well, if you'll give me just a few minutes, I know that I took some extra time, and I'll try to be a little more brief this morning. That's not a promise. That's just something that you say at the beginning of a message <laughs> to make people feel better for a minute. <clears throat> give me just a few minutes to unpack the relevance between a heart full of gratitude and the expression of the miraculous that God wants to give. I still believe in miracles. You know what? You and I, every day, we see miracles, we receive miracles, whether we acknowledge it or not. Unfortunately, we become so familiar with them that every day that we receive them, we've come to then start to expect them, kind of giving... Um, credence to the old adage that says familiarity does breed contempt. We become familiar with the sunrise. We become familiar with the stars at night. Uh, and we can easily forget that these things are all a miraculous blessing of God. And I'm sure that as we approach this week that you join me in saying, because I know you, that I want to be grateful for the miracles around me, and I never want to feel entitled to them. Is that you? Can you say amen to that today? You probably heard of Pastor Stephen Furtick, and I saw something he said, that you can't be grateful for something that you feel entitled to. 
You just can't be grateful for something that you feel, you're, which is another way of saying you can't be thankful for something you feel that you deserved or you should have gotten anyway. And even though you and I have so much, we are blessed, blessed, blessed. Who here this morning says, I am blessed? Even though you and I have so much, there is still this thing inside of us that tells us that we want more or that we need more. And society and marketing and advertising never let us forget that we want more. In fact, you're fixing to go into a week that's going to remind you we want more. I've heard it said that only in America do people trample over one another for an item on sale exactly one day after being thankful for what they already have. It's another way of saying Black Friday is a quick ending to Thanksgiving or to the giving of thanks. And so what are we doing on that day? Well, we are buying things that we don't need with money that we don't have to impress people that we don't even like. (laughs) But we are a blessed people. I said we are a blessed people. And we have far more than we'll ever need. It was the great preacher, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, who said this. He said, you say, if I had a little more, I should be very satisfied. But you make a mistake. If you are not content with what you have, you would not be satisfied even if it were doubled. So that being the case, and you're going to see in a minute kind of where I'm headed here. I am headed somewhere. This is Sunday before Thanksgiving. I just have, I think it's already happened to a large degree in the service, but can we just begin this Thanksgiving season with a full awareness that God has been good to us. He has been faithful to us. He's been our provider. He's been our peace in the midst of the storm, and some of you have faced some intense storms this year. He's been our healer. He's been our strength, and his promises are yea and amen to those who believe. Is there an amen to that in the house today? Let's be the people who wake up every morning thankful for the new day, remembering that, as we've often heard around here, every day is a gift. When you understand that every day is a gift, you will wake up every morning thanking God for the gift he's given you in a new day. So let's ask the Lord to truly give us eyes to see the miracles that are happening all around us, the ones that we can even so easily take for granted. It was the psalmist Asaph who said in Psalm 77, 14, you are the God of great wonders. You demonstrate your awesome power among the nation." So with that in mind, what the psalmist said on this Sunday before Thanksgiving, I'm here to give you a little booster shot in your gratitude, okay? It won't hurt too bad, I promise. And I want to add some significance to the reasons that you and I should be so very thankful. First of all, the miracle of life. Having had two granddaughters born to our family in the last 14 months, I'm particularly sensitive to this. It takes place thousands of times a day all over the planet and happens in an instant. A new human life is created and will begin its nine-month journey before entering into the world. The miracle of life is no ordinary act, but it is one that is filled with the proof of God's design for us. When you realize 
that in just the perfect conditions of a mother's womb, a fetus begins to grow. And out of nothing, out of nothing, suddenly the day comes where tissue is formed that creates a heart that begins to beat. That happens out of nothing. And from the perfect design of a male and female coming together to create a fertilized egg to the beginning of the formation of a unique set of chromosomes and genes that no other human being that ever lived will share with you. And just like that, baby's first breath unleashes a new soul, a new life, and a new purpose. It is truly one of God's most incredible incredible miracles. Let us, let us not ever take it lightly. It's the miracle of life. Somebody say amen to that. Put that on your list of things to be thankful for this year. The miracle of life. The magnificent earth. We expect it to function as it should. In fact, we get kind of used to that. Hardly think about it. When it does function as it should, we barely notice it and even feel somewhat entitled to it. But it is a miracle of God. God not only created, but he sustains this planet. And God is the one who maintains this planet every single day. If God were to stop maintaining the law of gravity, we would not be able to stay on the planet. Or consider the sun. It has a surface of 12,000 degrees. And if it were any closer to the earth, it would burn us up just like that. If it were any further away, we would all freeze to death. The globe is tilted at an exact 23-degree angle, which enables the four seasons in perfect proportions, unless you live in Texas and you have to go outside every morning to see what season it is. <laughs> if it were not tilted, vapors from the ocean would rise, piling up monstrous continents of ice. And if our atmosphere suddenly thinned out, meteors that harmlessly burn up as they do now when they hit our atmosphere would constantly bombard us from heaven. If the moon did not remain a specific distance from the earth, the ocean tide would completely cover the land twice a day. That's what scientists say. If the ocean floor slipped a few feet deeper, the carbon dioxide and the oxygen balance in the earth's atmosphere would be completely upset and no vegetables or animal life could exist on this planet. Nothing happens by accident on this planet where we live, and yet we barely notice it each and every day. It's a lady by the name of Elizabeth Browning who wrote these powerful words. Earth is crammed with heaven. Every bush is aflame with the fire of God. But only those who see take off their shoes. The rest of us just pick the berries. I think too often I pick the berries, not noticing, not paying attention, not having eyes to see. Too often I pick the berries when I should be taking off my shoes. The reason this universe is a cosmos and not chaos is because Hebrews 1 tells us that he upholds all things by the word of his power. Hallelujah. The magnificent earth is a miracle and we need to be thankful for it. Put that on your list to be thankful for this week. Then there's the amazing human body. 
The human brain processes more than a million messages a second, weighing the importance of all the data that it receives and then filtering it, whether it's important or unimportant, and filing it away. The eye can distinguish among, uh, among seven million colors. It has automatic focusing and handles an astounding 1.5 million messages simultaneously. And did you know that your nose does more than just smell? It is responsible for thermoregulating the air that we breathe in, thus keeping our bodies at the perfect temperature needed to stay alive. And our skin, we shed and regrow our skin cells every 27 days. That means more than 1,000 new skins you will have over your lifetime, and that's probably why you look so good today. You're probably wearing new skin. I'm just reminding you of the miracles that you live in every day and making sure that you have plenty on your list for thanksgiving to thank God for. What about the protection that comes from God in time of need? What about the stuff that we don't even see, the stuff we don't even know about? What about when death knocks on your door, but God says, nope, not today for him, not today for her. You don't even know how many times death has knocked upon your door. Come around you, been ever so near, You could have been in a car wreck, could have been the subject of a terrorist threat. Every one of us, death could have been knocking on your door. But the Lord said, no, not today for him. This is not the end. We don't even know how many times death has knocked on our door and God has stopped it. That's a miracle of God, Bethesda. We ought to bless the Lord for that every day. And in our quest for always wanting more, we tend to not see what's right in front of us because we are too busy wanting more. It was Charles Spurgeon again who had a lady come up to him saying that she felt the call to the ministry. Spurgeon asked her about her home. This is a well-known story. Spurgeon asked about her home and family, and when he heard that she had 13 children, he exclaimed, oh, well, praise God. Not only has he called you to the ministry, but he's given you a congregation as well. She thought ministry was going to be standing in a pulpit, but what she missed was right before her very own eyes. She already had a ministry taking care of 13 children. It is so true that if a fella isn't thankful for what he's got, he isn't likely to be thankful for what he's going to get. History tends to repeat itself. If you're not thankful for what you've already got, for what you've already received, pardon the grammar, you're not likely to be thankful for what you're going to receive. So I have a goal today. I have something in mind, and that is this. With all that background stuff there, it's to put you in a special category. Biblically speaking, and to put us as a church in a very special category. Biblically speaking, only one out of ten make it to this category. My goal today is to move us as a church to what we call the 10% category. Because if we can get to this 10% category, I believe it positions us to receive more that the Lord has for us. I'm gonna have something to say about that word more in the next couple of weeks. The Lord's been dropping something in my heart. Because God knows that if we can be truly grateful for what he's already done, 
it is the best indication that we'll be grateful for that which he's going to do. Turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 17. You know this story very, very well. Luke chapter 17, starting at verse 11. As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, ten men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. That word master here is very important for us to note. It's actually a military word. It was the word used for uh, an army general. What they were basically doing was calling him a master commander or one who is in control, one who can do exactly whatever he wants to do. They were essentially saying to him, we are sick, but we know that you are the one in charge and you can end this sickness. That's why they referred to him as Jesus, master. Verse 14, he looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. Now remember, there were 10 of them. How many? And we're about to meet what I'm going to call from this point forward the 10% guy. Verse 15, one of them, one of the 10, when he saw that he was healed, he came back to Jesus quietly saying, let me try it again. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, he realized something significant had taken place. And he came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. Verse 16, he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. Oh, this man was a Samaritan. Well, now that's interesting, isn't it? Because we know that Samaritans and Jews don't hang out together. They, don't, they just don't do life together. But isn't it interesting that when you're sick and when you're dying, And when pain is there, isn't it amazing how sickness levels the playing field? At that point, there's no black, there's no white, there's no Asian, there's no Hispanic whatsoever, there's no Yankee, there's no Southerner, as bad as that conflict can be. None of that. No, when when the chips are down for you and you're suffering and you're hurting, at this point, it's not we're Samaritans and you're a Jew. We can't have anything to do with you. No, we are leprous men. That's all, there, that's all it was. It levels the playing field. Selah. 17, Jesus asked, didn't, uh, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go and this is very important, your faith has healed you. The King James Version says, your faith has made you whole. One leper, one out of ten, said thank you, and something happened. And here's what I want you to hear. He got more than he asked for. When you say thank you, you get more than you ask for. When you express yourself with a heart of gratitude, you get more than you asked for. What else did he get? He got salvation. Something happened to him physically and spiritually. Your faith has healed you. Your faith has saved you. Don't miss this, this leprous man receiving healing on the outside and healing on the inside. Now, let's not be fooled about this. I'm going to be on dangerous ground here for just a minute. You can get things fixed on the outside 
and still be totally broken on the inside. Is that nervous laughter I'm hearing? That's the whole problem with legalism. Some of you, like me, were raised in a lot of legalism. Legalism always focuses on the outside. It focuses on what you wear, on where you go, or where you're not supposed to go, and what you can't do. And it purports the strange and erroneous notion that if you've got all the outside together, it must be an indication that everything on the inside is okay too. That's what legalism tries to telegraph to you. But time has more than proven that it is simply not true because you and I both know plenty of people who have the appearance of having it all together on the outside, but they are as filthy rotten as they can be on the inside. Am I telling you the truth? Outside stuff doesn't fix the inside. But when you can demonstrate and express true gratitude to God for what he has done, it is amazing what else he wants to give you and what else will come because you've expressed true gratitude. I want us to see this morning the power of saying thank you. The story in Luke 17 teaches us this. Thankfulness will separate you from the crowd. He's the 10% guy. The other 90% went on their way. True gratitude and thankfulness will separate you from the crowd. It sets you apart. 90% of the, of the other people kept walking, taking for granted what Christ had just done for them. Church, let's not ever be, let it, let it never be said of us that we're part of the 90%, but we're part of the 10%. Even if you have to be reminded, I was listening to the song that Shaquisha was singing with the choir this morning. Some of those things that she's singing, they're far from, uh, it would appear to be far from many of us. Most of us did show up with clothes this morning, thank God. Most of us did drive here in a car. We did have something, but you know what? We need to be as thankful for the little things and the things we take for granted as we are the big things. You're going to sleep on me. I'm going to have to do something here. Let me just remind you, he got you up this morning. And when he did, he showered you with new mercies because it was a new day. And all you had to do was twist the faucet and guess what? Clean water came out for you. 75% of this planet doesn't have that privilege. He put breath in your lungs. He kept your heart beating within your chest. Balcony, he gave you the promise that as your day, so shall your strength be. He caused the sun to shine on us today. And yet, the word tells us the sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon at night. He shall preserve your soul even for more, forevermore, because my help, all of my help, comes from the Lord. He gave you a fabulous church to drive to today and worship with some incredible people. And guess what? He even gave you a pastor that loves you and prays for you. So which group are you in? Settle down, Dan, settle down. They're trying to sleep. You need to settle down. It's hard to nap when you get loud like that. It takes work to move from 90% to 10%. But thankfulness will separate you from the crowd. Something else we learned from Luke 17. We are quick to pray, but slow to praise. We are quick to pray, 
Man, when we get desperate, the pressure's on, pain is there, whatever that is. But we are slow to praise. In 1970, the Apollo 13 mission was almost a catastrophe. We almost lost those astronauts. The president of the United States came on television and asked the nation to pray for the safe return for the astronauts. That president, many of you will remember, was President who? Richard Nixon. And that's what happened. The capsule landed in the Pacific Ocean, was put on an aircraft carrier, and when the astronauts were safely aboard the character, which was a miracle, the president then praised American space technology for the return of our astronauts. Now, he had asked the country to pray to God for their safe return, but when God did it, he didn't thank God. Rather, he praised human skill and technology. We are quick to pray, but slow to praise. By the way, it was just a few years later that Watergate occurred and that president had to resign in disgrace. We not only need to be quick to pray, but quick to praise. Anybody agree with me this morning? It's why the psalmist reminds us, and I know this is in a song that we sing. Oh, that men would praise his name. Praise his name to the ends of the earth for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. There's three specific ideas from our one leper, our 10% guy, the guy who came back, that I want you to see. If you're taking notes, this is the spot you want to get. The first thing is he realized. The second is he shouted his gratitude. The third, he was healed and saved. He realized. He realized one day, it's, it, it happens. When you realize that what you just received is not by accident and not by your own doing. It's like an awakening that you get. I just received something and you know what? Um, that wasn't because of anything that I did. And not only that, it's very obvious to me this was not by accident. He realized, our 10% guy realized. Just say thank you because God deserves it. Just say thank you because God deserves it. The realization is the wake-up call. When you have that realization, it's the wake-up call that God deserves our praise. It's that moment that you realize you've gotten, you've received something from the Lord. It was not by accident and not by your own doing. In today's politically correct environment where you have to be so careful from offending anyone, there was a fourth grader who reported on the origins of the Thanksgiving holiday in a politically correct way. Her teacher had told her that you can't talk about religion, you can't talk about God, you can't talk about church. So this fourth grade girl's paper went like this. The pilgrims came here seeking freedom of you-know-what. When they landed, they gave thanks to you-know-who. And because of them, we can now worship each Sunday at you-know-where. Just so no one's confused about it, today we are thanking Jesus, the Lord of the universe. Bethesda, when we pray and God answers, let's be quick to give him the praise. 
let's be quick to make sure that we give him all the honor that is due him. Several years ago, the London Transit Authority had a problem. Buses were going right past passengers who were waiting at designated bus stops to be picked up. And as they were, uh, as they were waiting, the buses would just go sailing right past them. The London Transit Authority released a statement to explain their actions. Here's what they said. They said, the statement said, it, it is impossible for us to maintain our schedules if we always have to stop and pick up the passengers. We can't keep our schedules if we have to stop and do what we're designed and purposed to do and supposed to do. Guess what, church? You and I were created to not go sailing by, but to stop, take a praise break, and thank God for all that he's done for us. And you will when you realize that what you've received is not by accident, nor is it something you could have obtained on your own. Next thing I want you to see, go big with your thank you. Go big. This is Texas. We ought to understand that. <laughs> Scripture says, and I read it to you, our 10% guy shouted his gratitude. Gratitude is vocal and focused. And here's a little something you need to note. Silent gratitude isn't much use to anyone. Well, but I'm thankful in my heart, whoopee. <laughs> what about being thankful with your loud voice? Our text says that the 10% guy was glorifying God with a loud voice. And when the moment of realization had come, he wanted to go big with his gratitude. Notice what he did. He turned around. That's what we read. He came back. He shouted. And he knelt at the feet of Jesus. That's going big with your thanks. Folks, every once in a while in the routine of your life, you've got to stop and go big with your thanks. How many Texans do we have in the room? Thank you gets God's attention. Gratitude gets God's attention. Gratitude more of God's divine nature, presence, and provision in your life. It gets God's attention. Your gratitude will give, gets more of God's divine nature, presence, and provision. Our 10% guys, we noted a while ago, did not only get healed, he also got saved. Nine got healed on the outside. One got healed inside and out. I really want to make this clear to you, um, and I'm trying to be careful in how I say it. Do you realize how much more God wants for you than just that which you've asked for? He really does. We really don't grasp the fullness of what God has for us, the fullness of his grace, the fullness of his provision. You may just be asking for peace but if you express true gratitude, he wants to give you that peace and heal your body. You may just be asking for financial provision, but with your gratitude, he wants to give you that provision and bring home your wayward son or wayward daughter. You parents, when your child displays genuine, sincere gratitude, when that moment comes in your household and you realize that they truly understand what thank you means and they say it unsolicited and it comes from a sincere place in, in, in their heart, does that cause you to want to withhold from them? No. 
it makes you want to give them more. And if we being evil know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more does our heavenly father want to give good things to those who ask? Brent, come and help me. I'm going to add one more thing. I'm losing some of you. I'm going to add one more thing that I want to be sure is on your grateful list. One more thing for you to lavish your praise and to lavish your praise to God. I grew up at a time, like many of you, that if you wanted to buy something, you had to go to a particular store to get that item. If you wanted flowers, you went to a... If you wanted tools, you went to the hardware store. If you wanted food, you went to the grocery store. If you wanted tires, you went to a tire store. If you wanted a bicycle, you went to the bike store. It was not too many Sundays ago, maybe two or three, that I was standing right here next to Becky after the service, and on that day, lots of people come around to greet and talk and shake hands and such. On that day, it just seemed like it was an avalanche of requests for prayer, just overwhelming one after another pray for me I'm going to Houston they're going to check on my cancer pray for my son he's back on drugs and and needs a miracle pray my daughter I've just gotten the news it looks like she's in a cult I can't believe she slipped away pray pastor pray I need a job and it went on and on and on and on and it was actually completely overwhelming and I left this sanctuary headed to my office and was getting on the freeway and all of a sudden a strange strange thought hit me. And it was this, if our God operated like our commercial marketplace did back in the 70s and 60s when I was growing up, when you went to different stores for different things, you would have to go to some other religion and find the God that specialized in wayward children. Who's figured out where I'm going here? Then you'd have to go to some other religion for healing for your body, some other religion for provision, and another for safety, and another for employment, and another for freedom, and another one for peace. But I want to loudly declare today what Scripture says, that there is nothing too hard for our God, and there's nothing too wonderful for our God. I speak as a fool, but our God is in some ways like Walmart or Costco. One-stop shopping. In him we find everything that we need and everything that we will ever need. It is all found in him because our God is amazing. I don't have to say to the woman with cancer, well, God does finances but not disease. He does it all. I don't have to say to the broken marriage, well, God does employment services, but he doesn't fix marriages. No, our God does it all. I don't have to say to the 20-something, well, God does provision, but he doesn't help with depression. He does it all. Church, our God is amazing. There is no shortage to his power. While all the other religions have gods of all types of stuff and saints for all kinds of things, not our God, he's got it all. I want you to stand to your feet with me this morning. There's your gratitude booster shot for the year. Plenty of reason to shout your praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, can you lift a hallelujah in the house this morning? Lift another hallelujah in the house this morning. Lift your hands and shout your hallelujah this morning. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name, Jesus, forever. 
we shout your praise. There's none like you, mighty God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, give direction here. If you don't know Jesus and you're in this place, or you are far from God today, then none of this made much sense to you at all, and I know that. But I want you to know, the greatest thing that you can be grateful for is the fact that God loved you enough to send his son Jesus from heaven to die on a cruel cross, and he wants to have a relationship with you. The question is, do you want a relationship with him? If so, it starts with a moment of realizing that you need Jesus. You need his peace. You need his salvation from your sin. And maybe today you're ready to be born again and come into the kingdom of God. I don't know if there's anyone here. Maybe yes, maybe no. I know that there are some who are under the sound of my voice who have been waiting, who have been questioning, who have been wondering. Some would call it seeking, uh, determining if... God is an answer for you. Well, can I just say what the Bible says, that today is the day of salvation. Today is the day for you. So what does it mean to be born again? Well, Jesus said, unless you are born again, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And how does it happen? It's very, very, very simple. I put it in the simplest terms. It's an ABC. Admit, like the rest of us have, that you are a sinner and you have fallen short of the glory of God. Is there anybody in the house who has ever had to admit that you were a sinner and fallen short? Raise your hand if that's true. The rest of you, I need to pray for you. (laughs) Admit that you're a sinner and that you've fallen short. B, believe in your heart that Christ alone became the bearer for your sin, your shame, and your guilt. That he became the sacrificial lamb. He paid the price for your sin. You believe in your heart that he came. And then see, you simply confess him as your Lord and Savior. Admit that you are a sinner. Then you are also saying, I believe that Christ came and died for my sin. I, and then confess him as your Lord and Savior, which means you are inviting him in. And you want him to come into your life and to be the Lord of your life so that you can sing like we all did at the beginning of the service, forever you're my king. If that's true of you, I'm not going to take more than three or four minutes as Pastor Brent leads us in a song. Everyone remaining where you are, if that's true for you and you want me to pray for you, just simply step out from where you are and come and meet me here. Let me pray for you. I want to pray with you right now and lead you in a sinner's prayer.